welcome back to another episode of the Prepared Mindset. It's February 13th, uh, a little late on this one. Um, what can I say? Life happens, you get busy, uh, work's been getting busy. I've actually been trying to get out of the house a little bit more, um, you know, taking care of my mom and a couple uh, medical things. She's getting a little older, we're all getting a little older, right? So uh, I apologize, a couple of days late, but uh, I wanted to do this episode, uh, and, I, and I, to be honest with you guys, I kind of struggle with it. Uh, I, I try not to repeat topics or, uh, you know, just regurgitate things over and over. Because you, know, you, you guys probably get sick of hearing it, and uh, it's not fresh. But I did want to today deep dive, all right? Uh, and if any of you guys work in, in corporate America, you hear the term deep dive all the time, whether you're scrubbing for sales leads or audits, things like that. Uh, it's a term that I definitely have come to loathe, but it, it it's it's really applicable in this instance. So Saturday afternoon, just wrapped up like maybe an hour, hour and a half of some dry fire. Uh, and I wanted to, you know, kind of just talk. Uh, and this is this is probably an easy one for me to go on and on about. So we're gonna we're gonna do some deep dive here on on self defense uh, specifically. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna start kind of at where to start uh, because, like I've been saying, you know, we have so many new you know gun owners, uh, but even people that, were, that are existing gun owners, right? But people that are now looking at carrying, or maybe you've been you've carried before. But you're just now you're starting to put uh, a little bit more emphasis on your proficiency or just understanding that carrying the gun isn't enough, right? Because, you know, I got a couple of friends that, that do this too, where they, they carry the gun. Some of them carry it daily, but never really, I guess, never really thought about the context um, of carrying that gun and, and what would happen, I guess, you know, using the gun. Um, How's your, you know, site acquisition or uh, reloads, you know, things like that. So just starting from the top, you are now uh, a concerned citizen. Um, you're concerned with your self-defense. The world's going to shit, which it pretty much is. Um, and you have a friend that, that told you you should buy a gun and they're going to help you with all this stuff. So first thing... Um, You've, you've come to terms with that personally, right? The, this is your responsibility, as I think we all should, right? At least to some extent, uh, it's your responsibility, your this, your safety, your family's safety. It should be your responsibility. Now, whether however you handle that, whether it's with a firearm or, you know, uh, calling the police, the appropriate reaction for the appropriate situation is how I'm going to leave that. But since we're talking about self-defense and shooting and and all the great prepared mindset topics here, we're going to talk about what to buy first. And that's kind of a tricky question, honestly. And most people would say, oh, it's the gun. Well, um, yes or no, depending. The first thing I tell people to do when they ask, when they ask me, and I've had a couple friends um, either reach out about wanting to go to a gun range, uh, reach out about wanting to buy a gun, tell me that they've made up their mind. They know they need this model because it's got this feature that they just really know that they, they have to have, um, is work backwards. Okay. Start with a goal, um, and work backwards to a solution. Cause a lot of times it, it working that way. And I, I found this in the professional world, the personal world, uh, you know, it, it applies itself all over life working backwards and you, you back yourself into a solution and because what if you, if you do it the other way at least in my experience um you get halfway through it and then you realize you got to take three steps back and readjust because maybe you found that something didn't work or you didn't like it um you know if it's a specific firearm you can't find it in stock if it's a certain type of holster you can't afford it whatever you can't find them depending on the gun so Back yourself into a solution. Um, I recommend Glock to pretty much everybody. That's what I like. That's what I carry. It's what most law enforcement in this country carries. Uh, you see it all over movies and Instagram. And, and there, there's a reason for that. Part of it is um, like the social 
inbreeding, I guess, of it. That just that just Glock is Glock, and that's what everybody uses. Um, but the other part of it is actually it's a very quality, reliable firearm, and that's really for new people. What you need to explain is it's a tool like anything else. Because some people get really hung up on like the looks. Um, I, I think of one certain friend that. Um, you know, talking about buying a, I think you went out and bought an HK VP9, which is a good quality gun. HK makes great stuff. However, you pay about twice the money for an HK just because the name is H and K. Um, not a lot better than a Glock. So, you know, Glocks are so ugly. I'll never pay money for one of those things. And it's your money. So cool, man. If that's what you want, that's what you like. Hey, you do you, whatever's going to make you happy. I just, personally to me you gotta look at it like it's a tool and you want it to work every single time that's that's like being a carpenter and saying hey i'm not gonna spend the money on dewalt or milwaukee or something you know i'm gonna go get this ryobi one plus and i'm gonna do that it's like well you know and as somebody who owns ryobi for my for home projects it's good stuff um now would i probably buy that if i was using it all day every day to make my living no I really wouldn't. And it's not designed to be that. So you kind of got to understand it and look at it um, from a couple different angles, right? Um, so if somebody, you know, they don't want to buy a Glock, fine. Here's the other things I always point out too, though, is, well, does that does that firearm come with more than one magazine? Most guns nowadays come with two, at least two Glocks typically come with three if you're buying like a 17 or 19, um, something that's more full-sized. Um, I think the 43X comes with two, the 48 now comes with two. That's a question I ask people is, okay, so does it come, have you looked into this? You know, how many magazines does it come with? Uh, I have a friend who really wants to buy an M&P shield, which is a great gun, but it's because it has a thumb safety, pure and simple. I go, well, there's, there's a couple different carry options out there with the thumb safety, but have you ever shot one or, or played with one or, or trained with one to really kind of understand? Because on concealed carry guns, that thumb safety isn't that big. And it's specifically made that way so it doesn't get accidentally flipped on or off. So, again, something else to talk about. But does it come with, you know, going back to magazines, If it, does it come with two? Does it come with three? Two, I think, is the absolute minimum number of magazines because you're going to carry the gun, then you need a backup magazine with it. And I say that because... Looking at firearms from a reliability standpoint like we are, what's the most likely um, piece of hardware, I guess, piece of kit, piece of gear to fail when you're using the gun? And a lot of people will say, well, you know, a bad extraction or cheap ammo, whatever. Um, it'll typically be the magazine. Okay, springs fail, followers fail or get caught. So you need to have a, ba a backup magazine. All right, because if that fails and you only have the one magazine in, in a gun fight, an altercation, whatever, you kind of SOL because then you have no way to feed the ammo to the gun, literally. Like I said, Glocks usually come with three. I think my M and, my Smith & Wesson M&P, my first gen, I think that came with three as well. And this way, you have a couple, you have the one in the gun and you have two backups. Uh, this, you know, it's helpful for, for training and things like that, but also you have to consider is a price point. Um, and you know, like right now, my dad is really looking at the, uh, the SIG P320, right? He had a buddy bring in just the, the grip chassis, um, into work and show it to him. And he really liked it. Hmm. Excuse me. Um, however, the thing I think about with SIG, which is the same consideration with HK is the price of parts. Now, for the good and the bad, Glock is cheap, right? There's so much Glock, parts, accessories, whatever. Even now, magazines are 20 to 30 bucks. You know, uh, I think I'm Big Daddy Unlimited. I can get 43X magazines for about 20 bucks a piece. Plus shipping and handling, it's about 27. Uh, 30 bucks the local gun shop. So I did opt to go support the local uh, local business. I'm going to pick up one of those. Um However, when you get into stuff like SIG and H&K, you're paying 50, 60 bucks for standard capacity magazines. Nothing special, nothing super uh, high speed about it. So that needs to be a consideration for you because when you get into it, it's it's money, right? And if money's not an object, maybe you make a lot of money, make you know, you're know you ready to just throw your wallet at this, then that's really not something you have to worry about. But um, it should be a consideration. Also, 
holsters, right? Um, again, something people need to research before they buy a gun. Uh, you know, there's there's quite a few guns out there that are that are great great handguns um, that shoot well that that I personally like. I own a um, a Canic TP9 SF Elite, so that's Canic's basically uh, competitor with the Glock 19. You know, everybody's making that compact 15 round pistol, right? So the CZP10C, the M&P Compact 2.0, Glock 19, um, the Sig P320, right? That we were just talking about. I think Taurus might have something out that's of a similar size and variety. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but like that 15 round, big enough to fight with, small enough to conceal, 15 plus one package was real popular for a while. And and the Canic, honestly, for the price point, which I believe is off 400 bucks, you got you know. Uh, front front cocking serrations on the slide, which for a while there was like the new hotness. Um, it comes with blacked out rear sights and a fiber optic front. You get three magazines. It has probably one of the nicest triggers I've ever felt out of, out of the box. It's just unreal. The problem though, which I didn't really look into when I had bought it probably almost four years ago now, was a holster. Uh, there was hmm, maybe two or three places I found that made a holster. Um, and I wound up putting a light on it, bought the holster before I put the light on it. And because it's a rare find, or it was at the time, that holster still cost me like 80 bucks, which, you know, now you can find most holsters around the 50, 60 mark, depending on what brand you go with, um, depending on what you want to do. Uh, and also you should be looking at Kydex and I, and I know a lot of people will have their, their preferences on different things, but I'm just going to come out and say it. You should be looking at Kydex, at, least at the bare minimum, one of those hybrids where maybe it's like a leather or synthetic fabric backer that presses against your skin um, if you're carrying strong side that makes it more comfortable. Um, but then Kydex uh, mold on the outside so it doesn't fold in on itself and you know catch the trigger when you're reholstering. Um, companies like Alien Gear make a lot of those. I think Crossbreed is another one that you hear a lot on some of these... Uh, YouTube videos and stuff. Um, but you know, leather, you gotta be real careful with a lot of guys want to go leather cause they don't know any better or they think it looks really nice. Um, and it does, but it just, it doesn't last eventually enough moisture gets absorbed by that leather cause leather's porous, right? It came from an animal, somebody's skin, which has pores. If you think about it, um, it loses its retention and its rigidity and its shape. And that can cause a lot of problems that can end up being dangerous. Um, as well as, you know, they're not that much cheaper. They're really not. In a lot of cases, they're more expensive because if they're custom made and, you know, people's time and materials. So your $100 or $120 Kydex appendix rig you might have bought from a company like Tier 1 or T-Rex or, you know, uh, TXC or um, Legacy here in Michigan is another one. Uh, that's going to last you, God, 5, 10 years, you know, if nothing crazy happens. And, the thing is with Kydex, when it starts getting a little bit loose, you can heat it back up and reshape it and refit it to an extent. Um, with leather, you can't really do it. Once it stretches out, it's pretty much done. So every if you're carrying every day, you're probably looking at a new holster every year or every other year, um, unless you're just taking really good care of it. Um, so that's, that's you know, uh, of course, another consideration. Uh, now, something worth mentioning is, and I kind of rattle off a bunch of, the 15 plus one guns, but, um, what brand, right? Um, Taurus. Uh, and I know I'm not gonna like, I don't want to bash, but I'm just gonna be honest, right? I, I will personally not recommend to anybody anything from Springfield, uh, armory. Uh, you know, that's a big misnomer. People like my father thought that Springfield's an American company. The Massachusetts Springfield company closed down in like the seventies, like after Vietnam, um, the name was then picked up, you know, years and years and years later, late nineties, early two thousands by this Croatian company that is called Springfield Armory makes guns like the XDS and the Hellcat. It's not an American made brand. So, um, I don't, they've had a lot of quality control issues on the XD line. Uh, my wife owns one. She just replaced it with a 43 X. I mean, you could have no issues with it, but I've heard enough stories of people actually having problems. I don't really recommend them. Um, Ruger, again, uh, an American company, good hunting rifles, 
Uh, I don't recommend their handguns only because I've heard, again, horror stories about their customer service and warranty problems with things like uh, pins backing out and, and stuff like that where, hey, uh, this came apart. It's I've only had it 90 days and they were refusing to warranty some guns. So to me, if you know, you're going to be spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on something and something that you're carrying to defend your life, A, it should work. B, the company should stand behind the product because you're putting your life behind it. So they should at least support their, their product, which again, companies like SIG, Glock, um, Smith and Wesson, M and P, they all do. Um, I've not heard too many bad things about the CZ P 10 C or P 10. I've heard pretty good things about that. Um, you know, so go look at, there's a reason why those brands are the ones that everybody carries. You know, you can try and go against the grain. You can go with something like Canic. You can go with a, you know, a revolver. You can go with, um, you know, uh, I think it's Sky SCCY, one of these little 10 round pocket pistols or something that they, they're like 230 bucks or something. You can go with one of those other brands. Remington, you, you know, makes, they do manufacture handguns or did. Not good ones, but they make them. You know, you can get something just because it's there. Um, I just won't, I wouldn't recommend it. And for the reasons I just listed, reliability. You know, there's a reason why you see so many people driving certain brands of cars and why certain cars, you know, just to equate it to something we see and deal with every day, why they resell, they resell for so much more money. You know, here in Michigan, anything with off-road capability, like Jeeps, like Subarus that are all-wheel drive, trucks, those inherently hold their money, their value, right? Their, their cash value higher and longer than cars do. Why? Well, because here in the great white North, we get a shitload of snow every year and ground clearance is a big deal. And all wheel drive is super duper helpful. Okay. Cars with rear wheel drive don't tend to do so well, unless you're one of these people that, you know, buys like a Nissan 240 chassis and wants to turn it into a drift missile or something. Um, had a couple of friends that have, are doing that or have tried doing that. It's a totally different issue, but you know, that's why they hold their values because they're, they're more useful. Now, uh, the other part of this too is, um, what is this being bought for, right? Is it personal carry home defense, both? It makes a huge difference. If you're buying something for home defense and you don't want to carry it, Okay. For whatever reason, you don't feel comfortable carrying. You don't want to carry it. Maybe it's a convenience thing. You just, you don't feel comfortable, uh, because your work has policies against it. So you don't, you can't carry at work. You don't feel right locking it up in your car or whatever. Fine. Then you don't need to worry about size as much because you're not concealing it. Right. So maybe a Glock 17 or a full size 1911, you know, something, uh, that's going to hold a little, you know, more ammo. That's going to be your speed. Okay. Um, as opposed to something smaller that you're going to carry for self-defense out of the home as well as in the home. Um, my one, now that I know and have been through this myself personally, and I just had this conversation with a friend, uh, I want to say a couple weeks ago, maybe was think about this in terms of, again, I go back to cars, uh, like think about a dragster, right? Put a huge motor, in a truck versus uh, a drag race car. Now the truck is huge and heavy and has a giant has a giant motor in it for pulling and working, right? Now imagine you take that exact same motor and you put it in a little Volkswagen Beetle or something. It's gonna, you know, the front wheels are gonna come off the ground. Uh, you when you come off the line, right? Uh, it's a lot of power, a lot of torque. You gotta really know how to drive it to not have a lot of issues with it and make make it go straight, right? Okay. I mean, not a perfect, uh, analogy there, but you're getting what I'm, what I'm, uh, you know, trying to equate this to a full size pistol, because there's more surface area, more just heft and mass to it for newer shooters is, is where you should learn to shoot. Okay. Um, you're taking the same explosion. We talked about the same motor, right? In our example, uh, the same explosion and power that's in that 115 grain, 147 grain, whatever, nine millimeter or, 40 Smith and Wesson, 45 ACP, whatever. And you're putting it in a smaller package. It's harder to hold on to. It's going to kick more because it's got a shorter barrel. You want to, you know, a make it a pleasurable experience, but if you're spending all this time and ammunition, especially right now, just teaching yourself how to control the gun, 
you're not really achieving that much and you're probably not going to enjoy it. Okay, so right tool for the right job is important here. And if you can't buy one for, for both or one for either, I'm sorry, something larger for home defense, something smaller for personal carry, that's like we were saying, guns like the Glock 19 come in where they're that in-between size um, or the Glock 48, 43X now. Uh, with these shield arm, uh, shield arms magazines that hold 15 rounds, they start to come in cause they're a little bit bigger in the grip area and not quite as long in the barrel length. So they, they start to fit in that, that niche realm. Um, if you can only afford to buy one, but it's definitely something to consider. If you've never shot a handgun before handguns, just because they're smaller, uh, not easier to shoot. Um, they actually take a lot more, uh, time and skill. Um, so what about a rifle? You know, um, I've had friends reach out to me about that just, and I think it's more just cause you can't, you people are afraid we won't be able to get them right now. Handguns, it's easy. Cause you got those big name brands. Um, it's easy to just point somebody in the direction of one of the name brands say, figure out what you like, go through the list of stuff we just talked about, make a decision. Okay. Um, with rifles, specifically ARs, uh, it is getting harder and harder because there are more and more and more companies popping up that are making AR components and AR rifles um, at a, I mean, at a pretty uh, high quality, honestly, it's no longer just, you know, Colt and Knight's Armament and, you know, Daniel Defense or whatever. Uh, you're starting to see these places, you know, Sons of Liberty Gunworks, um, Triarch Systems uh, down south makes a bunch of uh, stuff that's really, really starting to gain traction and, and really good quality uh, equipment. Um, so there's a lot of options out there, but given the climate right now, even with that said, it's still hard to get a hold of stuff. And the price point, uh, is definitely higher than what it, than what it used to be. The redeeming quality of someone choosing an AR platform for, you know, as a home defense weapon versus a pistol is it is much easier to be accurate with a rifle. Um, because, you know, longer sight radius, that's just the, the distance between your front and rear sights. Uh, the 223556 cartridge that most ARs shoot does not kick very much. And with what it does, the, the recoil and everything that it does generate, you have a much bigger package to hold onto. Uh, you know, spread your hands out down the barrel, C-clamp, all that stuff. So it's easier to mitigate that recoil and, and be accurate. It's a more enjoyable shooting experience for people who have not been around guns. But, um, you know, somebody was going to ask me, hey, I either want to build an AR or I want to buy it, you know, an upper and then buy a lower or whatever. Um, you know, I steer them towards uh, Aero Precision. Has a pretty good reputation right now for being that, I don't even like to say budget because I don't see them necessarily as budget. I Budget-friendly. It's probably a good way uh, to say it. They're not they're not going to rape your wallet just to get you good functional parts. Um, they're getting a lot of traction right now. I definitely recommend them. Um, this one, you know, Palmetto State Armory. Uh, a lot of people like to crap on Palmetto State because they've had in the past some quality control issues. I I do own. Um, although granted, it's not completely Palmetto anymore. I had bought a couple different. Um, well, actually, just the one. The one pistol, uh, AR pistol I have started out as a, as a as a Palmetto State Armory gun. I've since swapped out the barrel and swapped out the the bolt carrier and the charging handle. So basically, it's just an upper, um, which isn't that big of a deal. But Palmetto State, they do a lot of business. They sell a lot of stuff. Um, you know, Sam has a Palmetto State upper, I think, and uh, has had a lot of success with his. No, no major follow. Uh, problems i'm sorry no major problems or foulings or anything like that um if you have the money to spend uh on a little bit nicer stuff bravo company uh bcm is is real big they make a very good quality product daniel defense um you know you could look at a sig uh sigs mcx's and stuff like that are, are piston driven so they're like the gucci version um if you have the money to spend you're probably gonna be able to find those more readily available right now, just because they are, they kind of price themselves away from the everyman. Um, but that's that's just Sig again. That's that's how they are. Um, 
Now, if you're looking for something pre-built out of the box, maybe you, you don't want to or don't know how to build or, or whatever, um, the two I pretty much steer people towards are the uh, M&P 15 Sport 2, I think. That's what I started with. Again, not even remotely close to the stock parts anymore, but um, the M&P Sport 2 is, is a good beginner out-of-the-box AR-15. The Springfield Saint... Um, I've heard okay things about, I think it's just, it's like a thousand dollars and it's really nothing that special, but they're available. I think Ruger has one too that, um, that is okay. You know, uh, I had looked at that when I was buying my M and P probably, I don't however many years ago. Um, those are, you know, straight out of the box known companies and stuff. Um, but again, uh, it just depends what you need. If you're in a, in a rural setting, uh, the rifle is probably going to make more sense because you can reach out a lot further. Uh, the handgun is easier indoors. It just it depends on you know what you need, um, what your application for for said for said weapon is going to be. You know, room clearing. Yeah, I think you got a 16 or 18 inch barrel on your AR. You go grab your broom right now that you sweep your house with and just mock that up as a rifle and try swinging that around doorways and see how fast you can get that through a doorway. Um, it's going to take a lot of practice, not that it can't be done, but again, right tool for the right job. So short barreled rifle, if you want to go the tax stamp route, AR pistol is an option or handgun, um, if it's going to be for close quarters. Now the next, you know, piece of this is, uh, caliber, you know, I pretty much specifically have recommended, uh, the, one of the three major calibers that you see right now is nine millimeter 40 and 45 uh personally nine millimeter all day long the only firearm i own outside that's a pistol that is outside of nine millimeter is my 1911 which is in 45 acp and that's just because i feel like as a pro 2a american you should own a 1911 it's america's handgun straight up <laughs> um that's pretty much it i don't i don't shoot it a whole ton um it's a i don't even have a holster for it it's just one of those range guns that i think i spent like 450 on it it's a rock island nothing special goes bang um my dad loves it just because he likes 1911s and you know that's pretty much it but um nine millimeter has good stopping power 40 45 they all have good stopping power um what you have to consider is things like penetration, over penetration, especially if you're in a residential area. That's why you see some of these people uh, that are really, really in love with like 10 millimeter because it's a step up from 45 or 44 or, uh, you know, 38 special, 357. It's like, yeah, dirty hairy, man, that's going to put you down. Yeah, it totally will. But if you aren't proficient with that gun, uh, over penetration, it's going to go out your house and probably into the neighbors and possibly into the other neighbors um which of course means you could end up shooting somebody unintentionally while trying to stop you know a home invasion or you know whatever uh and that's why law enforcement moved away from, that's why the fbi did not opt for the 10 millimeter round if you've done if you do any research on it with over penetration was a huge problem okay in law enforcement liability is huge right um so over penetration something that they couldn't have and that's out of that the 40 smith and wesson was born um and if memory is serving correct this was all after the um the miami shootout which i'm not gonna get into but look it up it, it's been used i think it was in like 86 or something it's been the basis for a lot of trial and judgment and things uh and reference point um for law enforcement just given the choices that were made in ammunition and in handguns and things like that. So uh, look it up. It's definitely an important piece of two-way history for understanding why certain choices are made. But um, budget is another big one. Nine millimeters cheap, man. It's just, it's cheap. Uh, well, or it was, and it was plentiful. Okay. It was really cheap and easy to find. 380 for being a smaller cartridge was actually harder to find uh, for a while. Everything's hard to find now. Uh, doesn't have quite the stopping power. It's close. You know, if you feel a little bit more comfortable with 380, it's not like it's a huge step down. Modern ballistics have really been, uh, have really come a long way in the last 15, 20 ish years. You know, um, carry ammo is getting a lot better. So if you, if you insist on carrying 380, not a big deal. I really wouldn't step down to 22. That's 
you know, if if it's what you got, it's what you got. But uh, nine millimeter, in in my opinion, uh, is is where it's at. And if it's an AR fifteen, again, two two three or five five six. Um, make sure you check your AR that can accept both of those. If it's a two two three barrel, it can only shoot two two three. If it's a five five six barrel or a two two three wild, it can shoot either. And that's mostly what you see now just for that versatility. It's what the market has kind of demanded. Um, you can look at stuff like 300 blackout if you know, or 308 if you're getting into hunting or long-distance shooting. Um, long-distance, 300 blackout is not really your best option. Uh, 308 is definitely going to over-penetrate in any kind of residential setting. If you get into like hunting rounds and stuff, lever actions and bolt-action guns that shoot the, the big calibers that are supposed to take down, you know, large animals, um, not necessarily ideal for residential home defense. For one, follow-up shots and recoil. For two, it's going to be loud as shit. And I assume if you have a wife or a small child around, they're probably not going to be very happy when you, you know, <laughs> break off one of those. Uh, at a burglar and uh yeah just not not the best choice again I'll say it again probably say it more before this episode's over right tool for the right job um also a consideration fortunately here in michigan it's not much of a consideration for me is uh laws and regulations um magazine capacity you know i know there's a lot of states in this country how they get you 10 rounds 10 rounds is your absolute maximum whether and if you're in California it, I think it's like five rounds on an AR and you can't have features on it and stuff it's all kinds of stupid shit being thrown around um, magazine capacity and uh, ammunition type I know there's states I think Illinois is one of them I could be wrong but there are certain states where they uh, maybe New Jersey who's pretty bad on their gun laws too you cannot carry hollow point ammunition uh, I don't necessarily, I don't obviously agree with it. I don't necessarily understand it because uh, hollow point ammunition is meant to spread upon impact, um, which creates a larger wound channel or, you know, a bigger hole um, because it's expanding, right? Um, but that helps slow the round down, which helps with overpenetration, which is good because then it's not going through your burglar and hitting little Timmy behind him. Okay. Um, I don't really understand the thought behind that, but again, uh, most of these laws that are passed don't make a lot of sense. They're pushed through by legislators and, uh, and politicians, um, that don't know and have never done the research. Uh, but hollow point just sounds more dangerous because of TV and movies and stuff. So just like depleted uranium rounds, like that's, that's not a thing. Um, I mean, it, it is a thing. But I, most people obviously can't afford that, and it doesn't really come into play. Just like you know, HR one twenty seven, this bill that's up right now. Oh, fifty caliber ammunition is is illegal. Like I, there are not too many people out there shooting fifty cal. So I'm not really sure how that got on the list. But uh, the next time we have a mass shooting with fifty cal, I'll you know I'll, I'll call I'll I'll concede that I was wrong. But it just you know kind of ridiculous um but that's again it's something you have to consider uh you know can you find the ammunition can you find the magazines what are your capacity laws like um you know a five round limit on an ar rifle i would rather have the 10 round handgun honestly but that's just that's just me um the other consideration for all this too because it again we, you have to like fit it to your body um to some degree is just ease of use um and what I mean by that is, can you rack the slide? I know MNP just came out with uh, the the MNP Shield EZ, which is a it's a softer racking um, pistol, a little bit larger frame, so easier to shoot. Comes in like 380 and nine millimeter. Um, it's a lighter spring, so if you're frail or you have like mus- muscular dystrophy or something, um, you don't have to work as hard to rack the slide, which can be a problem in smaller concealed carry guns uh, or just on large guns if you're I mean, I don't want to say a woman, but women, um, you're a weaker individual for whatever reason. Maybe you're old, I, I don't know, elderly. Um, that's something to consider. Also, things like, you know, we haven't really talked about it a lot, but revolvers. You know, um, older folks tend to look at the revolver as a reliable form of self-defense. And it is because it goes bang, and the reliability is, is definitely there, right? You can't 
a revolver can't jam the way a magazine fed semi-automatic handgun can um, just by the mechanics of it alone it would take a catastrophic failure to the trigger mechanism which if you know how a revolver works that's what the whole mechanism in there when you pull the trigger is what starts the turn of the cylinder which also starts to pull back your hammer um, you can't jam it so it's incredibly reliable the problem with revolvers is they have an incredibly heavy trigger pull um, it's a long heavy pull it's usually in the almost in the you know like double digits in the weight 10 pound pull um they usually shoot larger caliber rounds which we already talked about being a problem but then reloading under stress even with speed loaders now where you got five or six rounds just all teed up ready to go all you got to do is dump the other shells and, and pop those in there that's you know it's uh, think about this um you know, when it's pouring rain outside and you're trying to get into your house, right? You get your keys out and you're trying to get that key into that keyhole, right? And you're putzing around trying to get it in there and you're freaking out because you're getting soaked and you're in your nice clothes, whatever. Same concept here. You know, uh, you got to fit all five of those into all five cylinders or six uh, or, you know, slots in the cylinder and to get that gun back up and running. It's not really ideal under, unless you're, you know, and people will, unless you're trained on how to do it, you know, and if you're former law enforcement and you did it for a long time, hey, good to go. It's a non-issue for you. You know, people will come back and say, well, you know, Jerry Michalek did the world record, blah, blah, blah. See, well, yeah, but are you Jerry Michalek? Because that dude's fast um, because that's his job is to be fast. He's a competitive shooter. So it's really not the best standard to set in that discussion that's basically pointing out that it can be done and it can be done effectively it just again not not really the standard um you know with the trigger pull and then the larger calibers it's you know recoil control follow-up shots it's it's important um accuracy duh liability duh so talked about you know the handguns and the rifles and everything um accessories right and that's a pretty broad term and maybe even the wrong term for this but as technology is growing and evolving with a lot of these uh, firearms optics and sights are really starting to become the norm um, past just your iron sights um, red dots low power variable optics you know a zooming telescoping sight for those of you that don't know what a lpvo is um, are you can get them affordably um, you can get them in a nice budget point too with with reliability uh you can also get the military level stuff which i don't, I don't want to say military grade because military grade doesn't always mean good military level i'm speaking mostly of things like aimpoint and eotech which are companies that have had long-standing military contracts they make very robust reliable optics um trigicon is another one however because of that you also pay a premium price point um now, if you're carrying concealed, I would at minimum recommend that you either buy a handgun with night sights on it, which the, like the tritium or the car, the fiber optic, I'm sorry, um, colored tubes uh, that are in your front and rear sight as a minimum. Um, I personally like a blacked out rear sight and just a bright front sight. So it helps my eyes identify that front sight faster. Um, or when you buy it, I would be immediately looking into replacing those sites. Um, and again, just like we talk about with magazine costs and stuff, it, that's a consideration, right? Uh, Trigicon sites, just regular irons, are about a hundred bucks to replace the set. Now, I like the uh, Ameriglow makes a set. The, I think it's the Hackathorn sites, blacked out rear with anti-glare ridges on the back of it, and then it's got a bright orange circle on the front that also has a green tritium ampule in it so uh if it's daylight out you got that bright orange circle if it's night and it's super dark out it that green dot in the center of the orange circle glows so you're covered on both ends there um the white three dot sights or the the field goal post whatever that like glock has uh stock are usable not good most law enforcement agencies, for that reason, you know, they all have night sights on their guns. Um, it, it's pretty much a must-have, in my opinion, because bad shit is more likely to happen at night, plain and simple. Um, now, like I was saying, with technology, things are really growing. Uh, Pistol-mounted optics are fastly becoming um, the norm, the standard. Um, personally, I have the Glock 19. 
with their modular optic system MOS. So I have a Trigicon RMR uh, mounted on the slide. You know, it's faster and easier with practice um, than picking up iron sights. Of course, you know, there's a battery and the glass can break and it can fail and everything, but Trigicon, really high quality. Um, so probably not going to happen. It's a very robust optic used by law enforcement and military. Hollow Sun is another company that's coming out um, swinging in the last year or two, three, uh, with some small pistol-mounted uh, reflex sights. It's great options uh, out there. I came, they have really weird naming conventions for theirs. Um, but look into Hollow Sun. Uh, the uh, Leopold Delta Point is the other one that I was thinking of. Um, I guess the Aimpoint Acro, but that's kind of it's an enclosed. It, it's a bigger one. It's big. It's like a brick. I don't know. Um, but with red dots, uh, it's a little bit faster for a concealed carry gun. I personally don't think it makes a lot of sense because concealed carry. The point is to conceal the weapon. Um, adding more bulk and weight and something else that could potentially cause printing doesn't necessarily make the most sense to me now that said as we have more uh, advancements in technology and these optics get smaller um hey that'll probably change you know my view on it I i'm already i'm i've explored the options on having my 43x milled out to have a, a red dot thrown on there um so i'm not opposed to it but definitely something that you, you know if it's for home defense cool definitely do it that way you don't need the night sights. You got the red dot. Um, but good sighting system, you know, on a pistol, absolutely necessary. On a rifle with the red dots and the telescoping sights, um, I'd honestly, for most newer shooters, recommend a red dot. When you get into the into glass, right, magnified optics, it gets really expensive. Um, quality glass is, you know, I, I run a Strike Eagle um, on my... 16 inch it's a one to six and it cost me like two 250 um and that's pretty much the lowest acceptable quality in my mind is something around that price point good glass is you're usually looking somewhere from six or seven hundred bucks up to about twelve hundred dollars for a one to six or one to eight optic from a company like vortex uh sig night force is even more than that leopold makes good stuff um you know, I would stay. I would stay away from from Burris. I've not really heard a lot of good things about them, but um, right tool for the right job. Again, if you're out in the country and you're going to need to reach out, and, you know, turning up that magnification is good for positive identification of what you're looking at or aiming at. Even if you don't need to magnify all the way up to six times or eight times, maybe you only need to three time, uh, but getting a positive identification is important. It's crucial. Okay. And if, again, you, maybe you're just wanting this for home defense for close quarters use, a red dot is perfectly fine. Um, an Aimpoint T2, uh, an EOTech EXPS3, uh, is, is holographic, but again, no magnification. Uh, the Vortex Crossfire 2 red dot, uh, Hollow Sun makes a ton of, uh, options. Uh, Romeo, the Sig Romeo, that was the other one I was thinking of. Uh, the Sig Romeo line, they have a lot of offerings as well. Uh, it's just a non-magnified uh, red dot optic. They can be mounted on the rifle in lieu of iron sights. Because irons on rifles, you can't really see very well at night or in low light conditions. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit, I, I don't know, it's a little bit outdated. Given the technology that we have, um, I would recommend anybody pick up a red dot for a rifle over iron sights that said you should still know how to use the iron sights in the event that the optic fails um talking about lights for your rifle or handgun uh, a white light is absolutely necessary whether if you're talking about concealed carry um it should be a handheld or uh, it could be on the pistol but if you're going to put one on your pistol you should also have a handheld you know if you drop your keys or something or you're not sure who's approaching you. You don't want to draw down on somebody or something you really don't need to be. Um, for one, it's brandishing a weapon and it's it's illegal. I'm pretty sure it's brandishing anyways, but uh, it's just not responsible. So uh, I personally use a, uh, it's Theorem is the company. It's the switchback. It's a little uh, index finger ring that allows me to flip the light over and use my thumb to press the tail cap um, so I can 
still get a two-handed grip on my on my uh, my Glock, but I can also hold the light towards you know where I'm I'm aiming, um, and it's got a built-in clip to it, so it hangs on the pocket pretty nicely. Um, a lot of the, the the smaller carry guns, are, we're starting to now see them come out with rails and accessory rails, and companies are starting to come out with smaller lights for them. But for years, uh, guns like the Sig P365, the Glock 43, the regular 43, um, the M&P Shield, uh, the Ruger LC9, stuff like that, either there was no offering, or I think the, the Streamlight TLR6 was, was really the only light that was on the market because it, it clamped onto the front of your trigger guard and it, it's kind of a, a lame light. It's like a hundred lumens. It's not, it's not any great shakes. So pretty limited offering, but given the popularity of these micro compacts and stuff, the SIG P365, the 43X and 48 MOS that have light rails on them and stuff, uh, the Springfield Hellcat even, Companies are taking notice, right? I think uh, Surefire is coming out with a micro carry light for pistol use. Uh, I think Streamlight is coming out with a second line or a revamped line uh, to to fit this application. Um, so positive identification is crucial. Uh, you can only shoot what you can see, and you're responsible for every round that you put down range. So you better know who you're shooting at. Okay, and the only way you can do that is with a white light. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, with a concealed carry gun, like I was saying, you can have it mounted on the gun and do handheld, uh, with a rifle or a AR pistol, something shorter barrel. There's a lot of options out there. Uh, a lot of these pistol mounted lights, like the Surefire X 300, the Streamlight TLR one or TLR one HL, which is, I think high lumen is what it stands for, but those can be mounted on a piece of Picatinny rail, um, Surefire, Streamlight, Enforce, they all, uh, and Olight, uh, Olight's kind of, eh, in my opinion, on the self-defense lights, but um, they're all making rifle-specific lights now that have pressure pads that attach by a cord to the tail cap on the light, and they're built specifically for rifle use. That pressure pad came out on the side, on the top, on your uh, vertical grip, whatever. I actually just... Um, during that wonderful Super Bowl halftime show we had last weekend, uh, I was over at my parents' house watching. I actually installed uh, the, I think it's the HLX, the thousand lumen version of the uh, rifle light that Streamlight makes. Uh, I picked one up for my dad for Christmas when I found it on sale back in like it was like the end of August or, or September or something. I picked it up early. I got it for like eighty five dollars. It was a super good deal. Have not seen one that cheap since, and probably won't for a while, honestly. But should definitely have it um, on a rifle. Honestly, I'd even probably put that over a red dot. Would be a white light. If you had to come down between the two, what you're going to spend your hundred bucks on or 150 bucks on, would it be a light or a red dot or your $200, $300? I would say a white light, a good quality white light. Um, Mod light is another one that's getting real popular now too. It's really bright. Um, and then the owl i think sam has one kind of bulky but it builds the pressure pad into the light itself and i forget who makes the owl uh that's another really popular one too because you can you can flip it it's got to be top mounted but it can be mounted on the left side or the right side for left hand right hand dominant shooters uh look them up kind of a neat concept uh but again just really big and bulky and heavy so not in my opinion anyways not the most ideal um Next on my list would then immediately be, uh, we already talked about holsters, Kydex versus leather and stuff, but um, a sling for your rifle, you know, uh, one point or a two point. Uh, one point slings, not the greatest. Um, there's a lot of discussion about it on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. Two point slings are pretty much your standard now. Um, the biggest discussion is, at least that I've seen, has been at the, you know, do you attach at the back of the receiver or do you attach it to like a QD point or something on your stock? Do you go all the way out to the end of the barrel, you know, with on the handguard? Um, do you do it at the front of the receiver? Uh, it basically just comes down to personal preference, but um, your sling is essentially your rifle's holster. It's how you retain the weapon. So um, there's a lot of good offerings out there from companies like Feral Concepts. Uh, uh, Viking Tactics makes one that's really well-known out there, really good. Uh, Blue Force gear. I think uh, T-Rex Arms just came out with their own sling. Um, Edgar Sherman Designs, I think, is another one that's out there. And these are all 
pretty similar uh, designs. It just uses a, a slider uh, with a pull tab on it that kind of helps release the, it's not really a lock, but it's got like plastic teeth on it so that you won't have that sling adjust on you accidentally, um, where you can quickly with one hand either uh, extend or contract the sling. If you need to tighten it up to your body to throw it over your back if you're rendering aid or going over a fence or something, um, or if you need to loosen it to use the rifle for whatever reason or take it off or whatever you got going on. Uh, lots of good options out there and um, just do your research on those and don't get the cheapest thing you find. Uh, that's just the biggest thing. Nothing you buy it on, for the most part anyways, nothing you buy on Amazon or Walmart or I was going to say Dick's Sporting Goods, but they don't sell guns anymore. Um, you know, most of those are going to be pretty crappy. Magpul makes a sling too. It's got like a sliding adjuster, like a sliding tri-glide. There's no pull tab. Uh, a padded non pa padded and non-padded version. Uh, honestly, you just get one with a pad. It's more comfortable. It's not going to like chafe your neck and, and really bother you. Uh, but a sling is probably is on that list with, uh, accessories you need, right? So red dot, white light, um, and a sling absolutely needed. So, once you've made these decisions on your weapons and things like that, are you going to own both one or the other? Um, the question then becomes how are you going to be become confident with, with all these systems? Um, and it really is just training practice and training. Um, live fire is obviously your most effective. Currently it's pretty cost prohibitive. Um, you can't find ammo and when you do it is hellaciously expensive. Um, I know most people are conserving ammo right now because just the, the tremendous amount of uh, uncertainty in, in the country right now with everything that's going on. We saw, I know the weather's cooled down, so I think people have cooled down a bit. Um, but when things warm back up, more people are outside. I mean, I could see more rioting. I could. I, I don't know what reason this time, but uh, I could see it happening. Um, but just the cost is the biggest thing. Also, being able to find a good range. You know, a lot of the indoor ranges, because the, the lockdowns are only open on weekends. Um, outdoor ranges are hard to find in most suburban areas. I know for me, the closest one or two that I know of are about an hour away. And one of them, you have to be a member. So it's unfortunate. And those ones that, that are outdoors that are like uh, Metro Park or government ran they don't let you move and shoot. It's basically an indoor range without a roof. Essentially, they have the same rules and everything. So not the most ideal, uh, unless you, you know somebody who has land or something, or there's a place you know near you where you can go and shoot outdoors, a training facility that is specifically geared towards catering to the, the self-defense and tactical shooting space. You know, you got to know where you're going and, and where to go and how to work on this stuff. Um, right now, Dry fire is probably the best way to gain confidence um, with your new firearm or uh, with these new skill sets for your current firearm. Um, and dry fire just means no ammo, but things like, you know, if you're a new gun owner, racking the slide, get used to what it feels like to rack the slide, how much pressure, how much weight you need to rack that slide what the trigger pull feels like, what it feels like when, when that trigger breaks, um, you know, that's all stuff that is beneficial to know and be comfortable with prior to your first trip to the range. Uh, now I know when they talk about teaching accuracy and things, uh, letting the trigger break and let the gun go off, letting it, letting it surprise you, um, is something that a lot of instructors and teachers talk about to help aid with flinching. Um, Cause you're anticipating, you're anticipating, you're anticipating, then it goes off and you, right when that trigger breaks, you, you get so much tension and everything in your hand causes accuracy issues. But, um, that's not to say that you shouldn't still understand what it feels like. Okay. Um, so when you're in that live fire context, whether it's training or real life or whatever, you are familiar with that sensation, that feeling. And then if you have to rack the slide, cause you got a, a squib fire or you got to rack the, um, you got to rack the slide because your magazine failed. You, your gun did not lock back on empty mag. When you swap magazines, you have to rack the slide to chamber a new round. Okay. That's all stuff you got to think about, right? 
Um, and there's tons of drills you can do dry fire, um, at home, which if you're working from home, you can do it on your lunch break. I certainly do it. I do all try to take every opportunity to do it on my lunch break when I'm not, you know, cleaning up or doing laundry or running errands or something. Um, there's a lot you can do and it's, it's incredibly, uh, flexible with your schedule because you can do whatever you want to. So, uh, I recommend dry fire a ton. I dry fire as much as I can or find time to with everything else going on. Um, and minimal supplies, right? You don't need to buy targets. You don't need to buy, you know, the ammo there's dry fire mags out there, which I, I love mine for my Glock, um, helps the trigger reset and like that audible, um, I guess connection, right? You can understand when you broke the trigger and when it's resetting and stuff. Um, but you can do it with just your gun and then put a piece of tape on the wall. It's really all you need or two pieces of tape. If you want to work on transitions, um, a little square piece of painter's tape. So it doesn't ruin your wall. That's really all you need. Now you can, then you can download free apps, uh, for timers and things like that to help, uh, and just work your way up from there. There's a lot of free apps out there. Not all of them are good. Most of them are actually kind of crappy. There's a couple good ones. Uh, and for what you like, you just have to mess with it and figure out which app works best for you and how you like to practice. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. It's just, it's just playing with your gun, building confidence. So you're not scared of it or apprehensive or anxious around it. Um, that doesn't mean that you should respect it any less or have any less of an understanding of what a firearm is capable of. So when I say playing with it, I mean, that's just the best way to, to put it, but you should still, uh, whether you know the guns, you know, empty or not, obviously don't point it at anybody, be very cognizant of the barrel, um, you know, stuff like that, finger off the trigger and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, so once you, you start building some momentum for yourself and, and building this confidence, um, you know, you just got to make it part of your daily life, right? That's, and that, for those of us that have even been carrying can sometimes be, uh, an issue, right? Oh, I'm just running to the store for milk. Well, take the gun with you. Um, I, I have found one of the things that helps me with this the most is just staging my gear. Um, I have a bedside caddy where I keep my, you know, whatever knife I'm carrying that day, my phone, my light, my pistol. Okay. So it's all near to me. Um, and then when I get up, okay, get dressed, whatever, it's right there for me to grab it. I have it all staged out, set out right next to the bed. Holster sits behind it, right? So I can just hook everything up and get ready and go. Um, you know, I have a separate, uh, I guess kind of a valet if I want to, you know, carry a different knife with me or a different handheld light or whatever, I can swap those out, but, um, staging your gear. So it's, you know, don't, I don't want to say don't use a gun safe, but if it's something that you're carrying with you for self-defense purposes, it does, it shouldn't be locked up because then it's not going to be there when you need it. You're not going to have time to go, you know, spin the dial on your safe and, oh, I fucked that up. So I got to start over now. It's a little bit faster if it's a keypad or whatever, but if it's right there, you're walking past it to get out of bed or to get out of your bedroom in the morning, whatever, then you're going to see it and you're going to have to think more than you have to think twice about am I grabbing that or not? Okay. So take it with you daily. Um, and then making sure you know how to clean your firearm, um, change the batteries, right? If you got optics, you got lights, those all run on batteries. And while they're not constantly on most of them, uh, like lights have a, uh, obviously like a, a flip switch for them and the optics have a shake awake function. So if they sit still for any more than I want to say like 15 minutes, the, they, uh, they auto shut off. Um, you do need to know how to change the batteries and you need to be, you need, do need to be aware of your battery life. Okay. Cause that's, I mean, what could be worse than being in a situation where you need your firearm and you draw that pistol and you aim and bang you're like, it's a big slap in the face that, Hey, my red dot is gone. I have no red dot. And that's why we get suppressor height sights as like a backup, you know, so when you're looking through that window, you still have those as a fallback option, but it's not ideal and you don't want it to fail. Right. Um, same thing with your light. When you really need it, you don't want to click that cap or pressure switch or whatever and have nothing happen. Okay. Um, and if you don't know how to, you know, clean your gun, you don't know how to maintain your lights and everything, learn, 
there's a tremendous amount of resources out there on the internet uh, or friends, you know, friends that are also involved in this, which should be able to show you a lot. You know, that's how I learned how to disassemble my bolt carrier group. Uh, my the, the AR-15 I bought was I didn't know how to take it apart. I was afraid to take it apart because I didn't know how to put it back together. Um, the the bolt carrier group itself. Um, you know, Sam came over one day and showed me how to take it apart and how to clean it, what he did to clean it and everything. And, um, you know, and that, that helps when you have somebody there that's reassuring, yep, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Uh, but learning that stuff is essential. How to disassemble your firearm, uh, your handgun, rifle, whatever, safely and correctly is important because <laughs> they do need to be cleaned from time to time. I know a lot of people, uh, if you ever seen the movie U.S. Marshals, right, with Tommy Lee Jones, he talks about how Glock is great because you can fill the gun with sand and it'll still fire. That is probably true. Um, I would personally not like to find out because I keep my gun at least relatively clean and relatively uh, oiled, so it's not really uh, an issue for me. Um, but, you know, past that, Look out uh, for classes, articles online, videos. There's a lot of information out there. And we've said this before too. Just make sure you're sorting out what is good and what is bad. Um, and even the bad stuff can be helpful just to determine what doesn't work. Um, but everybody's uh, a little bit different, right? Their, their way of thinking is a little bit different. Their bodies are built differently. So maybe there's just something you're not thinking about. Um, or if you have questions, you know, on parts for your gun, uh, do I need to upgrade this? Uh, did I just waste money on that? You know, whatever. Um, there's a lot of commute, well, less communities now that we're having this tremendous crackdown um, and, uh, and censorship on uh, conservatives and, and right-wing groups and, and things like that, pro-2A communities. Uh, but there's still a, a lot of material out there, magazines, books, videos on YouTube. Uh, Warrior Poet Society Network is starting to gain a lot of traction because of this because it's his own independently uh, held um, network, I guess, uh, not through cable or anything, but streamed. It can't really, it can't be censored. So it's a good option, a good alternative. Um, and, and just don't be afraid to learn, uh, to be told you're wrong, to be told that you could be doing it better. Uh, that's how you, that's how you get better, right? That's how you grow is pointing out what's wrong and, and then correcting it. I think that once some people get to a certain amount of experience, we kind of let our egos take over and we don't want to hear that we're wrong unless it's from somebody of like some great overwhelming, uh, amount of experience or has a huge resume, you know, it, it's all relative, you know, somebody with virtually no experience, just pointing out, Hey, why do you do that? And you go, what do you mean? Well, why do you you know move your hand that way? It seems like that probably be easier if you just do this. They may not know what they're talking about, but sometimes a simple observation can be a huge help. So, uh, you know, just keep an open mind, uh, and, and keep at it is of course the, the biggest part of that too. It's not always fun. Um, it should be, but sometimes it's really boring. Like I don't always love some of the drills that I work on, but I, I do it because I want to see that end result. And, and through that, through seeing your confidence go up through seeing your proficiency go up, you will start to enjoy it more. Um, but anyways, that's, um, you know, self-defense. That's my deep dive on, on the issue. And I was a lot of ranting and raving there and, uh, a lot of information. And for a lot of you guys, I, I can almost hear my one buddy just, you know, uh, messaging me. Yeah, I turned it off halfway through because I got totally confused by all the different uh, makes and models of stuff that you were you were throwing out there. Like, well, you know, hey, A, deep dive means more details, more material. Uh, but, you know, I, there's a lot to talk about. There really is. And there's only getting... Um, there's only getting to be more as we go, right? Because companies are coming out with new products. We're seeing enhancements and refinements to all these things. Um, so it's it's not going to get any better. Uh, and that's the good thing, right? Is that through this competition, different companies making new products and better products, it's uh, it's feeding the competitive nature of the industry and the market. So we, we as the consumers uh, are benefiting from that because um, you want a better quality product at the same or lower price point, ideally, or just make it that much better that you can justify a higher price point. Either way, you win. Either you save money or you get something that's way better. Um, you know, So hopefully this has been helpful. I know 
right now things are weird with the, the political climate. Um, if you guys have questions on some of this training stuff or, or firearms, you know, please reach out to us, right? Uh, prepared.mindset.podcast at Gmail. I'd love to get some questions. Um, and, and we're working on putting together like a grab bag episode uh, just answer questions or, or just uh, topics that people want to hear about that we haven't hit on yet. That would be really cool. Uh, also, you can hit us up on Instagram, direct message us on Instagram. Um, you know, we monitor that pretty closely. Uh, we're on there almost daily to put up new content. Um, definitely monitoring messages and, you know, checking out the old IG uh, and our Facebook page. We are on Facebook. We do share some stuff, uh, not as much as we'd like to, uh, just life happens you know this is just a passion project for for those of us involved so um hit us up share some thoughts uh hopefully you guys benefit from this and uh makes you realize some things or makes you maybe look at going out and making some changes to how you do things until next time make sure you guys get out there you dry fire stay prepared and stay safe